Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. You've come to the right place for your update on what's new when it comes to self-driving, driverless, and smart transportation technology. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, Good morning, Fred. Great morning. Well, on top of the news this week is Waymo, Alphabet's self-driving venture, Forbes reports it is worth $175 billion even before launching really any kind of paid transportation service. The figure comes from none other than Adam Jonas from Morgan Stanley, who we got to see at the summit you put together at Princeton last spring. Absolutely. And so uh, Adam's come out there and uh, basically... um, uh, his what's been uh, an extension of his view of this uh, mobility as a service and what he's estimated to be a $10 trillion a year uh, business worldwide. And uh, I guess he's looked at what's happened over the past year and basically has put um, his um, and done the analysis to take his valuation from last year at $75 billion to this year at 175 billion for Waymo and and of course this is this is before Waymo has its first dollar of revenue and um and in a sense uh you know it really shows that in fact if uh, one uh, basically does this carefully as Waymo has done and positions itself it is sitting out there uh in in way in first place on this uh on this horse race on this driverless horse race and um and he's put the number at 175 billion today so when you look at it um the estimates are the people have put out there that maybe uh, Google Alphabet has invested something like maybe 1.5, maybe 1.75 billion, uh, oh, uh, since, uh, 2009 in this, um, in this, uh, startup. Um, that's not a bad, um, valuation return, uh, for 10 years of investment, uh, to already be at 10x even before the first dollar of revenue. So, uh, it is, it is really amazing, but what it, what it does is it re, really reaffirms, um, that, um, that if this is done correctly, then the market opportunity is, is enormous. And the, the if in all of this, the, the big if is it has to be safe. And to date, uh, Waymo, has been safe. Uh, at, at worst, they can be uh, uh, blamed for a two mile an hour crash uh, with a with a bus, and and it's even questionable whether they were at fault or not at fault. But otherwise, they have a very a perfectly clean record on the safety end. Uh, we don't know anything about near misses. It'd be certainly nice to know how their near misses have 
have dramatically um, uh, dissipated so that they, in a sense, don't even have near misses. Uh, but um, well, what they're showing is that if you can do it safely, then at least some people in the in the business world think that you might be end up being enormously valuable. And if we then, you know, do a comparison with respect to, uh, you know, what Uber did over the past year, you know, uh, they weren't safe. They had just one crash. And what did their valuation go from, you know, 73 billion to under 50? Um, so, you know, the, the implication of, uh, of uh, it's not only due to that crash, and not only due to not having a crash uh, that Waymo has gone one direction and Uber has gone another direction, uh, but uh, but in a sense, uh, the crash is an important element of this. And and what's interesting to me is is if we if we use this if this if this if is if it's safe, and in a sense. Uh, Waymo's driverless suite, uh, since it hasn't uh, caused the crash, um, for all the data that we have, it, it, it's safe, at least safe so far. And if it continues to be safe, then, then the dynamic that it's on uh, doesn't seem to have anything that's going to um, give it pushback. And so, you know, if, uh, if it continues to be safe, in other words, if there's no crash, which is an enormously big if, uh, then it will continue to on its current expansion. As I put in the, in smart driving cars, we may be in September, uh, 2020. You know, with maybe having a uh, hundred thousand Waymos uh, scattered throughout the uh, United States in medium density areas, offer, offering uh, five million trips a day, and if they continue and they they prove to be safe, which means that that the driverless suite that they put on those vehicles really does work and does uh, not permit the vehicles to crash or to be causing the crash uh then in fact maybe by um september 2022 uh there may be you know um a million waymo vehicles out there um serving you know 50 million trips and all of a sudden what's uh waymo's worth <laughs> well it's not 175 billion it's you know 500 billion so um, uh, it's an enormously big if, it's a necessary if, but so far, um, at least Waymo and really the, the others in the industry who aren't uh, as far along as they are, have been doing it very carefully and it's been safe. And if it continues and proves itself, which it has to, then it's absolute gangbusters. So, um, as I say, uh, boy, this is fun. Yeah, and, and this estimate, uh, you, to show you how big of a chunk that $175 billion is uh, over uh, compared to Alphabet's total net worth, it, the company's market cap is uh, $862.3 billion right now. 
So it's a huge chunk of, of the company's value, according to Jonas. And he says the biggest source of revenue for Waymo may turn out to be autonomous trucking and delivery services. Not shuttling people around. Yeah, well, as as we've put, as we've talked about, uh, between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m., nobody's using the streets essentially anywhere in the United States. So why don't we move all those goods from the Amazon warehouses to our front doors and do all the things that we need to do? And then, you know, doing that safely is almost trivial because... There are no children playing in the streets. There are no bicyclists out there. There's nobody to hit. So in a sense, um, that's it might end up being the easy part. And uh, and then you put that in there, and now you have uh, you have all this mobility being provided uh, for not only uh, people but goods. Uh, it's all sitting there uh, waiting to be done. It's got to be done safely. That's the big if. And it looks like so far, at least the way I, I see it, that, that the systems, at least the, the ones that Waymo is putting on vehicles, uh, they've been safe. And you've been comparing it to, uh, to what Uber's been doing. When it comes to Uber, uh, the city council in New York this week decided to stop issuing new vehicle licenses for ride-hailing services. The mayor is expected to sign this bill calling for a 12-month freeze on Tuesday, despite a warning from at least one city councilman, Eric Ulrich, that the, the move to benefit the yellow, the, the yellow cab industry is kind of like putting a cap on Netflix to try to save Blockbuster. I think you like that. I, I love, love the analogy. I think, I think, you know, what's wonderful about the ride-hailing services is that they're precursors to this mobility on demand and and uh, and that is afforded by driverless um the the pro the the, uh, the limitation on uh the uh, ride hailing services are the drivers and uh, right now even in new york city uh they're offering at best one percent of the trips a, a day and uh, but if they're out to offer ten percent uh uh, or serve 10% of the trips, they're going to need 10 times more drivers. Um, managing those those folks is a non-trivial entity. But if instead of having human drivers in that additional 9%, uh, you have automated vehicles that now it's an algorithm that dispatches them and picks up people and, and ride shares and makes sure that people don't uh, get the uh strewn along to somebody's uh, weird destination but everything's all aligned that's trivial to do with with the with with an algorithm it's just so hard to do when people are in the loop so the the drivers that are currently driving in those drivers uh, those ride hailing services there'll always be people that will that will need and will want to have a driver a human driver but for most of the other trips of people just trying to get from here to there and so on efficiently and to improve their quality of life and so on, just like they do now in elevators. They pop in an elevator and there's no elevator operator and they go up to the 14th floor. They don't take the steps. And in a sense, when, when these vehicles are out there, that's what we'll do. We'll just pop into one. Somebody else will pop in there with us. I might even ride with you, Fred. And we'll go to where we're going and, and it'll just take us and, and a few bucks and so on that we'll have to pay for, for that service. 
um, will gladly pay. And uh, who knows, uh, Alphabet will take that revenue and become even more valuable than Apple and so on. So um, I don't know. I, I see the glass is half full. Well, there, there are plenty of question marks about whether this move would actually reduce traffic congestion. And apparently you've got you've got those same questions. Well, of course. Now, you know, we're going to limit the number of, of Uber cars in the first place. You know, what's causing much of the congestion in New York are people driving their own cars by themselves selfishly in Manhattan. And and are they or is is the mayor not going to limit the number of cars that the that the uh, uh, that the residents of Manhattan can own? Or maybe I mean, come on, they're 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 out there. The other thing is, is that uh, much of the congestion is caused by by the movement of goods. Um, uh, movement of the roads probably should have first dibs on movement of goods. Why? Because there's not a subway there. And so I agree with that. But but really, uh, the problem is, uh, I don't think it's Manhattan. I think the the, the difficulty is and, and the benefit of, of where what Uber, Lyft, have provided in New York is they provided, uh, you know, a, a unbelievably good form of mobility to people in the other four boroughs. And unfortunately, the New York MTA, while it, the subway might work very well in Manhattan, it doesn't work all as well as it really, well, it works as, as well as it, it can in Brooklyn, but that's not where it's at least a substantial portion of the people want to come and and go to in Brooklyn, and so um, now they've had an opportunity to have a, a high quality of service that that doesn't look at your skin color as to whether or not it picks you up and takes you someplace, and it just does it, and and it's been an enormous improvement, I believe, uh, to the uh, to the quality of life of a number of New Yorkers. And to have the the mayor limited, I mean, uh, you, you've got to say uh, that that needs to be in. Come on, man, uh, what's he doing? I mean, really, we're we're going to say blockbuster the cab industry. Uh, but it, uh, I should also say, if anybody's listening in 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 New York and wants to register their car um, as being a TLC vehicle. Uh, you got to do it before Tuesday, so hurry up there on Monday, get in line, and register your car, uh, because the um, the um, limitation doesn't go into effect until the mayor signs this uh, this new law, which is expect- expected to be on on Tuesday. So you still have a chance to be in there. And you do point out in the latest newsletter that uh, with planned subway repairs, highway construction, and commuter rail problems. New York commuters are facing some pretty bleak months ahead. Yeah, I mean it's tough. You have you have this uh, in in dense corridors, then the systems that are supposed to be providing mobility within those dense corridors has to be working well, and uh, and the systems that exist in New York and, and Washington D.C. and in some sense in San Francisco and so on don't work all that well. And they should work better. Uh, and if they work better, then as long as, as um, uh, we're going from A to B that is along those routes, uh, of course we would take the subway uh, because it's better. But, but, but you need to make it better. 
And the way you make it better is you don't beat down the competition. <laughs> you make yourself better. So um, they have the they have the opportunity to do it, but they need to do it. So um, yes, it's um, it's it's very interesting. Well, not all the news is bad this week. Uh, the self-driving shuttle Ollie made its debut at the University of Buffalo. This was part of a symposium at the university. Yep, it was my pleasure to be there, uh, be a keynote speaker there. It, uh, it is it is impressive, and what's impressive about it is that here we are at the very beginning of all this, and at least at the University of Buffalo, Buffalo, they got their ducks in line and had the, all the right people saying yes, so that in fact you can start and and take the first step. You know, the big thing, the big thing with Waymo, Waymo is yet to get its first dollar of revenue. Uh, you know, getting started, taking the first step is always the tough part. You know, I spent more than 40 years of my life, you know, researching, trying to uh, motivate, promote personal rapid transit. It was, you know, we barely got one built in, in Morgantown and, you know, maybe two others around the world. It was a nor, it just couldn't take the first step. Why? Because you needed, you needed a, a, a enormous amount of capital to build a guideway, uh, to have the automated transportation. The beauty about, about the current revolution that we're in is that, is that the technology goes into a single vehicle, and all you have to do is get a single vehicle to work to not crash on and using existing infrastructure. So you don't have to go to Wall Street and beg for money for infrastructure or to Washington or to, or to Albany or to Trenton. Basically, you just need the, pe the people who, ha who control the infrastructure to say yes. And uh, what's nice about what's happened at the University of Buffalo is both the research community, the academic community, the, the physical plant community, the local community have gone out and said, yes, go ahead. Let's start. Let's take the first step. And this is uh, this is really monumental and 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 hats off and and. And congratulations to those there at the University of Buffalo for um, taking this first step. And Local Motors, which makes Ollie, is an interesting company to watch. Yeah, it is an interesting company because they're, uh, they're 3D uh, printing technology and so on. And, of course, uh, their CEO is Princeton Class of uh, 84, you know, and there's a Princeton connection and whatever. So there's a lot of uh, good things happening there. Yeah, and they were there at the at the uh, summit this past spring as well. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety this week reported on tests it conducted on automatic emergency braking systems. Cars were driven 31 miles an hour towards a stationary object, and the results showed a 2016 Tesla Model S and a new Model 3 both completely failed to stop. Well, I you know this is. <laughs> One wonders what Tesla's doing. I mean, it seems like they they turn off the automated emergency braking system uh, at some point or something because um, uh, the vehicles did stop if the um, 
um, if the uh, intelligent cruise control was was um, uh, engaged. And and those are those are really uh, two different uh, systems. And the autopilot or intelligent cruise control is a voluntary system, and in a sense, um, it's on, it's off. The automated emergency braking system in these vehicles should be on all the time in all vehicles sold and whether or not it's it's now federal regulation local regulation i don't care who regulation or ceos of of oems that say absolutely or it's the um in, um the insurance institute for highway safety uh somebody needs to say my goodness we need this this the, the protection uh, to the driver and the passengers of these vehicles that we put out on the road, that if they need to stop, there's a system there that figures out that, yes, we need to stop, apply the brakes, irrespective of what the, of what the, the, the driver um, uh, wants or, or does not want. And, and so I think that um, it's probably just one line of code in the, uh, in the Tesla system, and given that they do over-the-air updates, I would be shocked if they didn't fix that immediately. So at least uh, since it happened with uh, with Tesla, it's fixable and easily fixable. If it would have happened with Mercedes, who in, in my um, uh, four years of owning my S-Class with uh, supposedly all this stuff, uh, they failed to do one update, then, um, you know, it wouldn't... Uh, it wouldn't happen, but uh, but uh, thank goodness it's it's um, it's uh, Tesla that uh, uh, that's the one that 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 uh, for which that this happened, and therefore um, uh, that's fixable. The rest of the of the of those tests are really very good because they also highlight a few things and they tested a few things. One of them was if I'm following a vehicle. Uh, and I have my intelligent cruise control on, and um, and the vehicle in front of me changes lanes, and let's assume that it changes lanes because uh, there is a parked object uh, in the lane ahead that that driver saw and therefore is moving over to avoid, um, is uh, my automated emergency braking system uh, going to not trigger and and cause me to, and and cause my vehicle that's following to then stop because there's the presence of a stationary object in, in that just appeared in the road ahead and um, and it was nice to see that in these um, these vehicles um, uh, I think they all passed if I remember correctly uh, of um, of what uh, what was um, tested. Uh, that's the good news. The, the not quite so good news is that, that the test was conducted at a speed of 31 miles an hour. Now, um, uh, most of the time when I'm following somebody on a, on a freeway, I'm not going 31 miles an hour. And and it would be very interesting to see uh, whether or not the, these systems, the automated emergency braking systems, do respond to stay, to uh, uh, objects appearing in the lane ahead, um, uh, basically instantaneously because the vehicle in front of us moved to the side, 
uh, which is when that would occur. But when we're traveling at speeds greater than 31 miles an hour, for example, 45, 55, 65, 70, 80, um, we won't do the 160 miles an hour that my speedometer and my car says that supposedly my car can do. I mean, that's totally irresponsible. Uh, certainly, uh, that doesn't happen in New Jersey, but, but these systems should work probably up to 80 miles an hour because, you know, you're following along the person in front of you. You're just cruising. That person moves over. Uh, and all of a sudden there's a object ahead. One would hope that the automated emergency braking system would engage. I think that's the expectation of a driver, or at least I would have the expectation that my automated emergency braking system would engage. Uh, the question is, do they? And uh, so far, the um, the uh, autom- OEMs haven't told us that they would. They certainly don't show us this in advertising that they do on TV. They just show us how um, usually how to misbehave in, in using what they sold us rather than than how well they work. And it would be nice if if IIHS or somebody did those tests. Uh, those are not easy to conduct. They require a lot of real estate. They require a lot of work. But I think that's the expectation of an automated emergency braking system. If if a stationary object appears in my in my lane ahead, I expect that thing to work. And the the insurance institute's work here, as you pointed out, is is really important, even when it comes to the future of uh, autonomous vehicles. Yeah, and, and I think and it gets good, and I think it's good that they're doing it and, and doing the tests. There are just a lot more tests that need to be done. They need to be recorded. They need to be recorded by, by serial number or something or release number of the system. Uh, so that And they need, that information needs to be made available to the purchasing public uh, so that when one goes into a showroom, one knows exactly what the capabilities of what one is buying so that one can decide whether I'm going to buy OEM's a model X, Y, and Z. And that shouldn't just be based on how much chrome and fins the cars have or how much Corinthian leather. Um, and and uh, the insurance industry itself should be walking in there with me and saying, look, Alan, if, if you buy this one, guess what? Um, because this darn thing is has stuff that actually works, uh, we're going to actually give you a discount because guess what? Your insurance, uh, the, the amount that you have to pay in, uh, for insurance is proportional to our expected, the expected liability that you're going to incur. And if these systems work, then that expected liability should be going down. So therefore, um, they should be encouraging me uh, to uh, to buy that. It's in their fundamental benefit. And you kind of take Tesla to task here uh, once again for their announcement about uh, a 14-day trial that they're offering drivers of enhanced autopilot uh, with with some new features for for their autopilot. Well, I think that's great, but but what they better have in there is they better have the automated emergency braking system working, okay, because because people are going to engage this. And I think in the back of their minds, they must assume that, in fact, if the vehicle is supposed to brake, it's going to brake, and it's not going to allow me to hit things. 
the, the, the fundamental benefit of, of autopilot is it keeps me in my lane and it doesn't let me hit things. But all of a sudden, if these things don't really work and I have to, and I'm still the one responsible for not hitting things, you, you have to be careful. So uh, really the, the, the whole, the whole autopilot, uh, drive, self-driving vehicle begins first by making sure that the automated emergency braking systems work and work at the speed at which I'm operating. And so if they only work at 31 miles an hour, then basically I can only take my hands off the wheel and feet off the brakes at up to 31 miles an hour. And if they only work up to 50, then it takes it up to 50. And if Tesla is going to let me do this at 70 or 80 miles an hour, the automated emergency braking system better work. Because what happened to Joshua Brown? Joshua Brown, stationary object in front of him, the automated emergency braking system never hit the brakes. Boom. Dead. Okay. And, and Wei Hang, Wang, who hit the end of the, 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 the Jersey barrier, brakes never applied. Automated stationary object in front of him. Brakes never applied. Come on. I think everybody's expectation when they get the email from Tesla is that, hey, I can start taking my hands off the wheel in certain in situations and so on. But in the back of my mind, I've got to, everybody's assuming that if there's, if there's a stationary object ahead, that the brakes are going to apply by themselves. And yes, I'm going to help out and I'm going to push that, that brake pedal to the floor. And the brake uh, and and the uh, and and the um, analog braking system will say, "Hey, that's not the best way to apply the brakes. I know how to do it. It will do it well." Uh, but if I don't push the my my the the brake to the floor, then the system should be applying the maximum braking pressure and and force. And so, hey, if they if that's part of the system, great. Have a ball. But it will be very interesting what happens to all those uh, newbies out there, people, new users of this system, and what their what the what the crash rate is going to be with those folks in the next um, twenty days or thirty days after the release of your free fourteen-day test period. Interesting. Also regarding Tesla. Doug Field, who left that company back in May, who was, he was overseeing Model 3 production, he's turning up somewhere yeah. else. That somewhere else happens to be Apple. Happens to be <laughs> Apple, and I don't know, maybe maybe Apple's going to build a car too. Um, I think it's tough to build a car. I, I, I think that, that Waymo sort of had it right. They said, geez, let somebody else build the car and deal with the with the NHTSA, you know, um, uh, crash mitigation situation, the dynamics and so on of the, of a, of a physical car. Let me just put the intelligence on board so it doesn't crash. And I think that it would be nice, uh, if, um, I, maybe, maybe Apple has that solved too. And now they can do the car too. I don't know. Or maybe when you have the, the, the valuation that you have for the company being with a T at the end of it as opposed to B's or M's or, you know, in my case, uh, oh, well, there's mine, mine are red. So <laughs> what would I do? But, um, you know, then you can do different things. So great. Apple, um, 
um, welcome. Yeah, and we're still waiting to hear exactly uh, what their what their role might be. Uh, they've had us all guessing for a long it's time. It's a lot of guessing, and and there's there's not much that has leaked out. And if there hasn't been much leaked out, there probably hasn't been much happening. Uh, because there's an enormous amount of work that needs to be done uh, to be able to put these things out on the roadway and be safe, and they must be safe, as we started out the podcast saying. And finally, uh, some thoughts about BMW. Yes, well, BMW, apparently there was some news last week. BMW, or at least somebody in BMW said that... Uh, that uh, Basically, uh, driverless mobility will uh, will never be here. Uh, you'll never be able to take the person out of the out of the out of the vehicle. Um, it, it will never be like riding in an elevator. Uh, that's not exactly what they said, but that's what was was being paraphrased. And I guess you know it's not surprising for BMW, the ultimate driving machine. So of course they. Um, uh, their, uh, their blockbuster business, um, is ultimate driving machine and their current valuation. I think I looked it up last night. It's, I think, 54 billion. Uh, you have, you have Waymo on the other end looking uh, to create the ultimate riding machine, which is a completely different business model. And even before they generate their first dollar of revenue, uh, at least some think that they're worth 175 billion. So, um, I don't, I don't want to suggest that, uh, the BMW is, blo- is blockbuster, but, um, but, um, Waymo may very well be Netflix. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition, Alan. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com on iTunes, Google Play, and more, even on your Amazon Alexa. Look for my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. We really appreciate your taking the time out to listen.